The Mac Observer's Geek Gab take very big two. Number 206 for June 8th, 2009. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. John, I'm going to I'm just going to say this once and then we're going to get past it and we're not going to we're not going to harp on this over and over again. No, no. We got 30 minutes into this show and it was flowing smoothly. Now granted, I'm here in San Francisco, John's in Connecticut. We've got bandwidth issues. Be it the hotel here, there might be something going on with John's cable mode, whatever it is. John's signal's not coming through great. We persisted through it, and we had put together and recorded, or thought we had recorded, one of the best shows we'd ever been doing here. And, and, then, and then I realized, no, I'm not recording a darn thing. So this one is definitely being recorded, but uh, we're definitely. starting again. Because I've got to reach out over there and smack you. We're That's starting again. For the people that love loving when Dave and I tussle a bit here. <laughs> yeah, I gonna... deserve I deserve a smackdown you after do. this one. Yeah. Hey, it happens, man. You don't press the button. Uh, I pressed the button. I just pressed the wrong button. But wrong uh, button. but we're okay. Yeah. All right, now we're we're done with it. All of us collectively, you, we're me, done. and the listeners, John. We're gonna okay. breathe a big sigh here. <sighs> oh, you said a little better. So anyway, so um, so to start up here, so um. WWDC, that's what we're going to talk about. But, but first, I think, um, you know, we should start with Dave's adventure, which uh, I guess was with a, a new airline. You know, so the pre-show here. The pre-show. You had to get to San Francisco, and uh, I guess you did something a little different. I did. Well, for the first time, uh, and it was just because pricing was, was right and times were, were good, uh, I flew Virgin America. Uh, first time I'd flown on this airline, and I flew in coach. I have... Um, I've been earning American miles for years on American Airlines. I'm part of the Million Miler Club there. So it's very rare that I fly cross-country and fly coach. I usually wind up getting the upgrade. So uh, I was a little bit apprehensive about flying coach. However, my experience on Virgin America was fantastic. In fact, John, I would go so far as to say that it is the best experience I've had in coach since before 9-11. Really? Now, now, to me, part of the experience, Dave, is, you know, just what happens once you get in the plane? Like, I'm sure they have, you know, seating order and stuff. I don't know if they're, you know, the I'm gonna, corral I'm gonna like say, some of the other airlines. Yeah, I'm going to say it started before I got on the plane. Really? Okay. So even before, because, yeah, some, uh, so, I mean, was checking your bags, extra, you know, it, unusual? Checking in was great. It, you know, there, everybody. And, and you, you, you're off the list. I must point out. I, I, you cannot go through security theater. I am certain security theater. I am certain that I am off the list, off the TSA list. And and what makes me certain of that is that this is the first time I've ever flown this airline, and they didn't ask me for you know they didn't have to go in the back room and confirm me. I was able to print my boarding pass at home. So so yeah, I'm oh. off the list. Yes. So normally, online it would say. Yeah, sorry. Now, now here, here's the thing. They, they do charge you for a bag, right? So I paid uh, $15 right. for, to check my bag. But for that 15 bucks, I get up to a 70-pound bag. So that's pretty good. Oh, because uh, most are 50, yep. right? Now, the cool thing was when I printed my boarding pass at home, I paid for my bag then. So there would be no delays at the airport while I did this. I just put in my American Express nice. number and boom, right? So 
but yeah, check in. Everybody at this airline is like so happy and laid back. And and then you get on the airplane and they've got this mood lighting. It's this like purplish red thing that they've got going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And uh, and 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 everybody's so happy, and the mood lighting changes throughout the flight. They 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 alter it throughout the flight, and there's like little lights on the side of the seats huh. that sort of change and stuff. It mixes so it this, up a little. This is an experience. It is an experience. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> You're not just in a big metal tube. You're well, you are, yeah. but you know. Well, yeah, but yeah. they try to distract you. But from so that. so the technology on this plane, you know, they have um they have. Uh, um, on the seat back, there's a, a video screen similar to JetBlue and some of the others, right? But this yep. one is a touch oh, cool. screen. So, uh, and not and with the touch screen, not only can you uh, select your uh, DirecTV satellite, which of course they have, but you can pick music. They've got servers in the you know in the belly of the plane uh, with with thousands of songs on them. You can watch TV on demand, some shows on demand for a price. You can watch movies on demand for a price, and and these are you know. Movies that are new to new to DVD, so you know, relatively new cool. stuff. Yeah, cool. And, not, no. and now, uh, uh, and you can order food via this thing, and and this is food and drinks. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the cool part. Instead of having the cart that just constantly going up and down the aisle, feeding everybody, and and yeah. you know, doing the drink thing and getting in everybody's way, they do the cart once because they figure everybody's going to want something, and then uh, if you want. Something either before or after the cart comes, you go into your little interface and you tap out what you want. And if you want, you know, sodas are free, alcoholic beverages are not, and there's food that you can buy. And uh, so at one point during the flight, I wanted a sandwich and a drink. And so I went through and I picked out my sandwich and I picked out what I wanted to drink. And I swiped my credit card to, you know, settle my bill. And then within like a minute, a gentleman from the back of the plane came up, handed me my sandwich, handed me my drink. Is there anything else you'd like, Mr. Hamilton? Boom. Good to go. It was it was fantastic. It really I, – wow. I, I was blown away. Yeah. Nice. Now, for, for the computer-toting mm. cross-country flyer, uh, I'm going to imagine that – well, I don't know. You tell me. Did, was anything different about this plane? You know, like the, the everything. power supply or – Everything was you, different. Can you surf? And, and I'm kind of leading into this, obviously. But – it sounds like this is a good airline if you happen to have a computer uh, and you'd like to get online. So absolutely, go. yeah, no, with, without question. So um, there are two three prong, hundred ten volt AC outlets one, for. Are you ev- kidding? One ten, yep. not the stupid forty eight volt or whatever. Nope. So a normal plug, like like on a train, and like, you know I got a say normal plug like in your house. Trains. Yeah. But the trains also, that's the one thing that I do like about Amtrak, yep. especially Northeast Corridor. They have a normal plug like your thing plugs into. That's right. I've, I've always hated those proprietary airline adapters. I, I never get it. So anyway, so normal plug. Go normal on. Normal plug. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, and, and there's two of them for every three seats. They locate them uh, where the armrests would be, where the armrests are between the seats. If you follow those down, uh, you know, kind of near your calves, uh, between each of the, you know, between each of the seats, on either side of the middle seat, I think I've explained it enough now, uh, that's where the plugs are. So there's yeah. one on either side of the middle seat. Uh, so you're sharing them with your neighbors. I happen okay. to luck out, uh, and this probably contributed to my experience on an otherwise full flight. Oh. I had no one in the middle seat. I was on the aisle. There was a nice guy in the, in the, in the window, but he and I were happy to share the, uh, the middle seat for our, 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 our stuff. So you could plug in and charge up, and, and that worked fine. And then they have GoGo in-flight wireless. 
and it it is what it sounds like. Um, it, it you pay for it. It's twelve ninety five, I think, for a, a cross country flight. And I had some twenty five percent off coupon that's good this month, so uh, I got it for nine something, whatever it is. Okay, and that's eight oh two dot. Yes, it is eight oh two dot eleven, and it's uh, they have two point four gigahertz. Um, it's at least G. And also N, I believe. But it might have been A. I could not tell. Um, but but So here's what happened. I connected to the, the service, and it was okay, but some bandwidth stuff was a little wacky. So I opened up our friend Air Radar, our new friend Air Radar, and I looked at the list, and I saw that, you know, as, as we know, Air Radar, will, Air Radar uh, shows us that the Mac will connect you, connect itself to the strongest access point that it finds. You know, they, they had multiple access points on the plane, uh, all with the same SSID, the same network name, but, but, you know, all in different locations and so different strengths. The Mac connects you to the strongest signal it finds, not necessarily the least congested or the fastest even, because it was connecting me to one that was on channel 11, which is in the 2.4 gigahertz range, and I found many in the 40 to 161 channel range, which is the 5 gigahertz. Mm -hmm. So using Air Radar, I manually selected uh, a higher channel and connected to that. And after that, my bandwidth was great. In fact, and this blew me away, Pilot Pete and I, he was on the ground at home at his house in New Hampshire. I was flying over Chicago or wherever I was. We did a Skype video chat, about 200 millisecond um, delay, which is perfectly acceptable. I don't think our, our current Skype connection is much different than that. We have a pretty crummy Skype connection, so uh, we apologize for John's audio on this one here. But, uh, but yeah, it worked totally fine on the plane. In fact, better than the connection you and I have right now. Nice. Yeah. I didn't talk for very long. I didn't want to bother the people around me, uh, you know, and, but, but I had to try it, so... Because you know, excellent. Yeah, being so they had wireless, they had the power, and yep. uh, okay, good. So yep. I'll have to try them. So I guess they're only yeah, they're out of major airports now, like Logan, yeah. not Bradley yet. I guess like Logan, no, JFK, they, they have SFO, right? Only, LAX. only a handful. Yeah, it, they're they're based in SFO. This is Virgin America, based in SFO. They've got uh, LAX, JFK, definitely. I think they have Washington, Dulles, and then obviously they have Logan, which is where I flew out of uh, last night. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, a good experience. Uh, it, it was delayed because of some. So there was a ground delay here in San Francisco. They were using one runway last night, um, so I got in very late, and then of course had to get up. And I'll lead in with this, John. I had to get up very early this morning, um, and then work my little tail off all day. Uh, yeah, early. Now you know. I hear some people get up early for the keynote. Did Did you see any evidence of I, this, Dave? I I I, I did, and. I want to tell you about it, but before we do that, I want to make sure we talk about our sponsor for this show because uh, as soon as we start talking about WWDC, I know I know the role yep. we're going to get Bare on here. Hole. So uh, our sponsor for this show is Bare Bones with BB Edit. Now, it, it you know perfect serendipity here that we've we're doing the sponsorship. It worked out in the schedule that we're doing the sponsorship for a coding tool uh, at the Worldwide Developers Conference here in, in San Francisco. So. Uh, the idea behind BB Edit is it allows you it, – it, it is a coding tool. So you, you want to do all your typing and create all your code. It works with just about every language out there. Um, and what it does is it auto-senses, uh, based on one of a number of different parameters, uh, it auto-senses what language you're typing in. You can also manually set it. Um, 
And and then once it knows what language you're typing in, as you're doing, as you're creating your code, it starts formatting the text and highlighting things and doing indentations for you. And you know, as you create a, a function, it will uh, it'll highlight that and then indent the the code for huh. that function. So do you mean to tell me, like, if I have a language that uses a, a bracket to define the beginning of something, and then I type some code, and then type another bracket, it's going to line them up and make it all nice and neat? It will. Yeah, and here's the Which other thing. I love thing. as a coder, because sometimes you lose track of that stuff. You, you, you may, yeah, and if you miss a bracket, then, yeah, your code doesn't. Right. And, and here's the other cool thing. If you're opening up a piece of code, either something that you wrote a long time ago or, or so, something someone else wrote, um, you can double click on any start or end bracket for any function or statement, and it will select from that bracket to its counterpart. So either back to the start or down to the end. So you can see visually real quick, ah, yes, okay, here's the flow of, of this. And yep, I'm not missing a bracket or, or this works the way I think it's going to work. And this works for HTML too. Uh, BB Edit works great with HTML. So uh, this is BB Edit from Barebones Software. It is $125 uh, for a new license, $30 if you have a previous version and you want to upgrade, or $49 for uh, an educational license. And again, that's available at barebones.com. So, cool. We're here. For the coders, which, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of coders today, Dave. <laughs> yeah, but, about, um, about 5,000 of them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think so. Anything more about the, uh, the you know, the keynote or the corral or, or mm-hmm. anything there? Or, or so, just dive right in. I got, yeah, I got, I got in late last night. Um, but you know I'm on my body's on East Coast time, so I woke up about uh, about six fifteen I guess uh, Pacific, which is nine fifteen. So I slept in right, and uh, and then I, I I showered and you know got dressed and got all ready to go and and I thought well I'll go down and I knew the press corral opened at eight thirty, uh, but I wanted to get in line uh, in the main line and just get some pictures and and uh, see what that experience was like and hang out with John Martellaro a little bit because we couldn't get him a press badge. Um, and and so I went down, and, and he and I were going to meet at about quarter of eight. And I went to get breakfast, and the restaurant in the hotel wasn't quite ready at seven. And so I thought, you know, what I'll do is I'll go down to the uh, – to the center, to the Moscone Center there, and get my attendee badge because that opened up at 7 as well. And I thought, you know, I'll just go grab that. Well, I went down to get it, and the line to get in for the keynote at 7 a.m. was already wrapped around two corners. And from what I understand, by 7.30, it was wrapped around all four corners. It was all the way around the block. That's a big If I recall... That that's a bigger line than we saw at the last um, MacWorld. Uh, definitely a bigger line than than MacWorld Expo. No question about it. Wow. Yes, yeah. And uh, and so you know, I went in and got my thing. John had already gotten in line, so I didn't I didn't catch up with him. But uh, but and then I got in the into the you know press line, which, and there was a long line for press too at at you know eight twenty or whatever to to get all that. But that moved fairly quickly, and then they shuffled us upstairs, and then and then of course you know. Uh, we went into the keynote. Now, and did you get a sense? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, a lot of times press, did, did you notice, uh, was there a, a lot of international interest? Did you get a sense from the mix? Was it mostly U.S.? Was it there, no, there, any sense in the mix-up of the, you know, the, the press bunch or yeah, just there the were, usual? There was, there was, of course, our usual, you know, um, Mac industry, Apple industry folks that we're always used to seeing. And it was actually good to, you know, obviously good to see all of them. But yeah, there, there were... There was an international mix. I don't think it was any more or less than we see for MacWorld Expo, though. It it, it seemed to feel kind of 
Uh, kind of the same, yeah. Or was it, you know, was it a, a okay, so I guess it wasn't a, a different press presence than we've seen before, because I know they love kind of doling it out sometimes. Yeah, no, it seemed... <laughs> and I'll stop. <laughs> it, it, seemed, it seemed about right. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like what I would okay, expect. But yeah. they corralled you. They did the, the, yeah, the gates to get to certain points of... Well, yeah, for the for the for the press, they didn't really. For, okay, yeah, so that's the one thing that's different about WWDC is the 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 press and VIPs are, are basically treated equal, unless you're like an Uber VIP. But uh, but you know, they just let us all upstairs at one point, and then we got some some food or whatever, and then they they just let us in, and we could mm-hmm. sit wherever we wanted. So yeah, a little bit different than the MacWorld Expo, but. Um, but yeah, okay. So you know, w- once we got in, every everybody came in. Now, of course, we were doing our live coverage, John, and uh, and I want to talk about the things that we saw today. Yeah, because we. Oh well, I was going to say live coverage. We've evolved over time, and I, I think you did something slightly new. We did something as far as technology because we we love and and Dave, you and I have we've gone pretty far back as far as, far as providing. Yeah. Live or near, let's say near real time, through That's various right. devices, coverage of, of uh, Apple events. And I think this was no different, but I think you actually uh, got some geeky new technology, which I think actually made it a little more reliable than, than we've been used to. It, it did. So, you know, in previous years, I had a Palm Trio, right? And that worked fine. Uh, I could tether that over Bluetooth to my Mac, and I could get online when there was wi- no Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi stunk. Um, but of course, that all changed a year and a half ago at Macworld Expo. Once everybody showed up with iPhones, because you, when you put that many um, data capable AT and T bound devices in one room, none of them work. So, uh, so we had to find another solution. And we'd been using a Sprint EVDO card, but it was crashy and flaky and stuff. So, uh, what I did was this time from Verizon, I got a device called the MiFi. Now. It, this is, John, a device that falls into the category of why didn't they create this sooner? So I'll try and describe what it is. Take about three credit cards and stack them on top of each other. Now you've got a feel for the size of this device. It is battery powered, and I'll tell you how long it runs, and then I'll tell you what it does. They say it runs about four hours on a battery in full use and 30 hours in standby. It is a wireless router, just like your Linksys router, just like your airport router, except with a little limitation and one minor change. The limitation is that it can only take five clients at once. So five devices can connect to this wireless router at once. And it gets its internet over Verizon's EVDO network. So you've got a hotspot that you can put in your pocket or in your backpack. Lisa and I used it to test it at these last two fish shows that we went to last week, and it worked great in both of those venues. Obviously, it worked fine this morning. And, uh, and, and you just you connect to it like any other hotspot. There's no funky configuration. Nice. You can set up a password, which, of course, we did. We didn't want other people you yeah, know, yeah. getting on and all that. But, uh, but it worked great. I, it, was just, it was stellar. It um, sounds like the magical EVDO to Wi-Fi converter box. That's exactly what it is, John. Good. Yeah. And I want one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been it's been fun. It 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 works well. It this morning's keynote was the worst performance I've seen out of it because there probably were a lot of other people oh, that sure. did the same thing. Um so it, you know, it was congested there too, but it was usable. Um you know, and the Wi-Fi there. So here you know, the the Wi-Fi in the uh in the keynote room worked. 
But only, it only starts here, – here's what I've found, John. It, um, for the first 20 minutes of the keynote, it, it's totally useless. And the reason, I think, is everybody and their brother is trying to get online. And then everybody gives up at about the 15-minute mark, and it settles out. And then at the 20-minute mark, there's more bandwidth than you could shake a stick at. So uh, at, about okay. that, at about that point, I jumped over from the MiFi you know, over to the WWDC network, again, using my trick that I mentioned with Air Radar and grabbing a, a, a 5 gigahertz channel. And, uh, and then it worked fine, and I was able to upload pictures, and we had live coverage posted, and, and, uh, and it actually went swimmingly. So, so that, that's how it was done. Uh, should, do we, should we talk more about that, or is it time to to actually talk no, about? No, I think what? we should. All right. How far? How are we doing here? On time? Well, we've been podcasting for like four hours, but uh, but yeah, we're but... only twenty minutes into this one. <laughs> okay, so I guess we should get right to the uh, the, the keynote, or uh, would this be the the fill note? Yeah, well, I, I called it makeup of the, the team. I was, I was, I was joking about it, calling it Phil and friends, but and 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 thinking that that maybe <laughs> a bunch of of uh, confused deadheads would show up this morning, wondering, you know, if uh, <laughs> if 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 Bob Weir was going to make an appearance, but. Uh, uh-huh. It was. It was Phil and friends. It was basically um, Phil Schiller uh, doing the the emceeing of the event, and then um, I'm trying. To, Scott Forstall did the iPhone portion, and he brought out he brought out Bertrand Serlet, I believe. Um, that doesn't uh, sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, Bert. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Bert, Bert and I, I. I'm confused only because I saw Bertrand speak two more times since then today. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that he was indeed there this morning at the keynote, but he was. Mm-hmm. Um, Bertrand Serlet, who is uh, the Mac OS X software guy, and Scott Forstall, who is the iPhone guy, um, nice. and, and basically the three of them, and then some other folks, you know, sort of sort of ran the show. And it went it went including fun. from what I heard. And this is the only maybe negative feedback I got. There were a lot of demos. There were a lot of demos, and really a lot of demos when maybe people were waiting for for more detail. But but I guess Dave, you could say that the, from what I saw from the excellent live coverage of you and the team there, thanks. Which we either did through Twitter or through a web page, which has nice auto updates and some very nice photos from uh, our own Bob Labinus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, same formula we used last time. But I, but I guess there were four major categories. I guess the first category was kind of an unexpected surprise. I, I didn't expect this, but they announced uh, some little bumps and, and some new things in the uh, MacBook area. That's so right. If you want to start off uh, with you know some of the things they talked about, we can bounce back and forth there. But something new in MacBook Pro land. That's right. Yeah. So uh, they, have, they, they, they have updated the 15-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, they, it's still in the unibody enclosure. Uh, which which is the, the the newest enclosure that they're using, but now it has the integrated battery like the 17 inch. Uh, well, you know, so I have some, mixed feelings on that. We can kick it around a bit. Yeah, uh, you, you know, so so here's the here's the plus sides uh, of of the integrated battery, at least as announced by Apple. Uh, it gets they say it gets up to seven hours of battery life, probably closer to you know five or six. But that's better than the four that I get now, you know, three and a half to four. Um, but they, one thing they've done with the battery technology, they say that typical older style batteries would get 300 charges before they started to lose their maximum capacity, before, before their maximum capacity began to significantly diminish. With this one, 
it's a thousand charges before it starts to diminish, which, and which as Phil Schiller pointed out, means that most people will never see it diminish because they'll replace their machine before they hit those thousand charges. Okay, I'm with you because uh, we talked about recently battery health monitor, and I'm looking at mine right now on my yep. MacBook, and uh, it says I got 40% charge cycles, 161 charges. So, yeah, I think that comes up to about 400. So, yeah. if in fact you can recharge this thing without it losing its juice over twice as many times, yep. then I think I'm with you. And then also the capacity, as you pointed out, I think they claim with the footnote on the spec page, seven hours, yeah which, as you pointed out, is probably <laughs> just like my battery claims four hours, but I usually get about two and a half. So right. my goal with a battery, the most I expect is I could be in a meeting for a couple hours or on a plane for three hours max, though. So yeah. I think you and I kick this around. Did you see uh, Benjamin Button? That was a long movie. Anyway, <sighs> well... <laughs> <laughs> that stretched out. Yeah, <laughs> that took more than one battery. Anyways, it, it, it had its uh, it had its moments. Yeah, so. Anyways, um, so I'd like uh, and and I think Apple. Uh, my only concern with with integrated batteries like the iPod is I can't have another one handy and it's baked in the device. So if I throw the device away, what happens to the battery? Does it get buried somewhere? And and as far as I know, Apple is very good. If you're buying a new product and you have an older Apple product, I believe for, for the most part, they will accept the older thing for recycling purposes. That's correct. Yes. They'll, they'll take they'll, it free of charge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's nice. So that's my only concern about an integrated battery is it doesn't seem on the surface very environmentally friendly, but if, if they claim to deal with it after the fact, that's cool. And yeah. then I think they also introduced a, a new form factor for the MacBook Pro. Well, let, let's let's finish on the specs quickly. Oh, so sure, the sure. Fif, the fifteen okay. inch oh, version right. the fifteen inch version now up to eight gigabytes of memory. Uh, the, versus on, four. Versus right. four. On the low end, uh, it, it it runs from either two point five three gigahertz all the way up to three point oh six gigahertz, obviously pricing. Varies from now, I think twenty uh, sixteen ninety nine on the low end up to twenty five ninety nine for the three point oh six gigahertz model. All right. Now you mentioned RAM. Now is this a bump here? They now have ten sixty six megahertz bus. Is that a bump or no? I don't know off the top of my head, John. Okay, I think it may be. It might a, be. A, a few people have mentioned it to me today, and they thought that was a bump. Yeah. So, so you're getting a faster bus and faster memory potentially. So, yeah. Uh, yep. And then, of course, SD drive options if you want those. But they're yeah. still pricey, but, you know. And here, here's the thing. You mentioned SD or SSD, right, solid-state drive. There is, right. instead of an express card uh -huh. slot on the okay. side, which no one used, there's an... Well, no. Some pe uh, they, yeah. they said it was single-digit percentage people that use that. Let me restate, let me restate that. Instead of, an SD, instead of an express card slot on the side that uh -huh. no one used... <laughs> They had, they've replaced it with a much more usable SD card slot. So the same SD card you take out of your digital camera, you slip it in the side of your MacBook Pro, it mounts right. as a drive, good to go. And so. to me, that's a smart move because oh, personally, yeah. I, I don't know, have you used your Express card? Wait, let me check. You know, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Actually, but no, you know wished... what? Oh, no, I didn't. I was going to say I used it with that Sprint EVDO card last year, but that was a... Um, okay. That, no, that was USB. USB. Yeah. 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 Now, I've had some people, I've had one person in our Twitterverse uh, comment that they have an Express card 
SATA interface for talking to a hard drive. Well, you know what, then? I've got a MacBook Pro they can buy. Yep. Well, we'll offer it up for sale. But I I would say that the only thing is Express Card is pretty much a a high-speed, you know. Yeah. High-speed bus, which can do things like that, like be a disk interface. I mean, SD is not going to be, but. It's got FireWire 800 now, though. Ah, right. Good, good. So you know that I don't know. Sounds cool. Uh, but actually, personally, I I would much rather because like the Dell that I have at work has an SD slot, and actually the screen that I have from Dell, which typically uses the same parts as yep. Apple and other screens, has both a CF and an SD built in oh, through cool. USB. Yeah, Dell's pretty. You know, I know I have a lot of Mac yep. friends who have Dell screens just yeah. because. Yeah, they're cheap. It's pretty much, it's pretty much the same guts and. Uh, you know, Dell's not all that horrible. Nope. So anyway, so yes, you were holding me back, but I, I just got to let loose here. But dude, you you got something. You got your wish. I mean, if I had almost, I had, almost. So my wish was long ago. I had a PowerBook G4 12 inch. Right. And it was a pro machine, and it was a sweet machine, especially a travel machine. I know many. I, the 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 person I sold it to. Yep. I think is is thrilled with it. it. It's a great, great travel machine. Twelve inch is plenty for on the road, and the battery life and everything was good. They introduced probably as close as you're ever going to get to this, which is the thirteen inch MacBook Pro. Of That's course, right. It's already a thirteen inch MacBook. Yep. Um, now you have the Pro, which I believe the Pro offers you the same benefits we were talking about before, including the SD, RAM, including the SD wire, slot, yep. SD. You know, back of the keyboard, a lot of things you were missing on the PowerBook. So, yep. Um, yep. so if, if you you PowerBook G4 people, 12 inch, this is it. This is a close. To, you're never going to see the 12 inch. I, I, I can no. say that with confidence. No, but here here's this something here's something here's something to look for, John. So no. the 12 inch, I think the 13 inch has a different aspect ratio on the screen than the old 12 inch did. Okay. It may be that the form that the size, the physical dimensions of the 13 inch aren't much different, or perhaps are even smaller than the old 12 inch was. And that, that's actually well, I think worth the 12-inch couldn't really accommodate widescreen or HD. Right. And I think the 13-inch will. Yeah, right. No, you're right. Right. Yeah, I heard that as well. So, so we saw that. Um, and then I think they had a little tweak to the pricing on the Air. The, yes? There were tweaks to pricing on, on everything. The Air saw new sure. pricing. The 17-inch saw new pricing. The whole PowerBook, uh, <laughs> the whole MacBook Pro line got uh, got retooled today, if you will, you know, from a pricing standpoint, and then some of the stuff, obviously, from now, the hardware. Now, some questions. Now, I heard some questions from the, uh, the peanut gallery during the, uh, the live event. Um, do you know, off the top of your head, are they offering, is it all glossy, or will they offer the mat? I know, I, right now, I think they offer the mat on the 17-inch only. Right? No, it's, it's they, they have a new screen out. Um, uh, they do. Yep, and it is all glossy. And, and, and the 17-inch, you can't get mat either. And and really? the the reason it's all glossy, I is, thought you could. Really? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, and because the, maybe this, not anymore. I thought there was an option at some point to get there, it on one of the machines. There was, uh, and you can through through okay. Tech Restore. Tech Restore will, will swap your oh, screen sure, out. Sure. Um, you know, third party. But uh, but yeah, no. The the issue is that it's a it's a glass screen now, and so therefore it is not matte. Uh, the old screens were were you know plastic of some sort. Well, I'm looking here. No, um, so seventeen inch machine. You can get anti glare for fifty bucks more. Oh, all right. My I memory, stand, I sit. My correctly. memory served me. Hey, you know, 
we look out for each other. That's right. So, but, but it's weird that they only offer that because I know a lot of people feel very strongly about the anti-glare. Yep. Personally, Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm a glossy type of guy right now. Okay. Um, I think you're a more anti-glare type of guy, Dave. Yeah, only, only I am, only because my, I, I usually have my, I've said this before, I usually have my MacBook Pro set up next to my cinema display, which is a matte uh, finish. And so I've thought, well, right. it might be weird bouncing back and forth, but at some point I'm going to be stuck in that and I'm sure I'll live with it. All right, so let, let's move on to um, Snow Leopard. Which, Snow Leopard? Yeah, which wow, includes... Is that like a leopard? <laughs> so Mac OS 10, 10.6. Somewhat, I, I would say somewhat un inspiring well here's so here's the thing it it's uninspiring because other than some things and we'll talk about them briefly here but um it's more a a fundamental under the hood change than it is uh a a change of 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 user experience in uh, in you know in some ways so let me talk about it a little bit under the hood i think it's easy to sum up yeah, so under the hood, well, there's a couple of things that are interesting. So well, it's all, I think they're replacing the engine. This you, is a new engine. You got it. It's 64-bit cool. under the hood. Go for it. Okay, so it, it's 64-bit under the hood, which means a lot in terms of uh, application performance, um, on, on, and it will run on all Intel hardware, past, present, and presumably future. Um, well, I think there's a cutoff. I think core... No, nope. th- Phil. Phil made it very all, clear. Okay, so any any Intel, yep. Any Intel chip in any Mac product, you got it. That's dual core, or no? He said any Intel. Okay, yep. I I buy it. Yep, and I can see that they yeah they had to you know make sure of that um, it includes two things that that are fundamentally going to make things faster. One is called Grand Central Dispatch. This is going to be something that, unless you're a programmer, you never interact with. But here's what it does. Our current model, we have machines with multiple cores. We all know dual core, and then you've got multiple dual core chips or quad core chips, and you know some Macs out there have eight cores in them. In order to write an application, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of give this the human translation here as best I can. In mm-hmm. order to write an application so that it runs on more so that it uses more than one of those cores at a time, right now you break the application into multiple threads. And each of those threads does a spe- specific job, and and those threads, each thread can run independently on a different core with some limitations. You have to kind of set it up and say, well, I can't have this thread run before that one, so you have to set some concurrency and some locking. But <sighs> But in general... Uh, you know, that's what you do and that's how you write your app for this. But, but the problem is you have to create all of those threads and those threads use up system resources, whether they are being used or not. Um, I'm with you, brother, because just just a little is that I've dabbled in some of the more advanced areas of windows. Yep. A person deciding how to do this, you could spend your life figuring out how should I tell you know, what part of my app should call what thread and ha- the logic behind it? Because I guess the whole problem is 
how do you know that you're done and that somebody else is ready to accept work? It's Correct. A, it's an incredibly complex problem. So yep. go on, because I think this solves that. This does solve that. Yeah, and this is that is what you just described there, John, is exactly what they set out to solve with Grand Central Dispatch. They realized an application developer doesn't know and they couldn't possibly know. They can't write their code for – well, they could, but they'd have to go and set and say, okay, how many cores does this machine have? Okay, it's got two. All right, well, then run this pre-compiled version of the code that's for two cores or – Oh, we've got four. Okay, well, then I wrote it a little bit differently and set up the threads a little bit differently for four cores. So go ahead and do that. Or eight cores. And you know, and you can you can optimize that way, but unless you know exactly how many cores you're gonna be running on, you can't um, reliably optimize your code. It's really hard. It's really hard, right. So <laughs> or or it makes it really, really big. And then you've got all these multiple yeah. versions of your software to yeah. manage in, inside itself. So okay. what Grand Central does is it does away with the programmers having to manage the threads. And what you do, it's a system level service, but it's also a language extension. So inside Objective-C, which is the language that um, Xcode at the Apple development tools run on, is you you write these constructs and you tell the Grand Central Dispatch, here's this job I want to be done and here's this other job I want to be done. And it just queues them all up and creates and destroys threads based on what you need. And so the thing is, when an app is idle, and let's face it, for most of us, most of our apps sit running and idle most of the time, Right. When an app is idle, it uses you know almost an order of magnitude less threads than uh, under Grand Central Dispatch than it does under the the threaded model because the app isn't trying to create them. The threads are all being used and shared among multiple apps because the system is creating them, and huh. so it, it makes things way more efficient. and And we can go into I mean it, it's not worth going into the the nuts and bolts of it, but that's that's essentially the the, the my translation well, of it. So okay, because I, I heard one thing mentioned where I, you may have touched on it, but OpenCL. Oh, that's the next thing. That that's that's number Which, okay. that's number three for me. So I could yeah. Ex- or well, I'll explain a little bit because I, I looked up I looked this up because I was intrigued by this because as you may tell I've I've looked at this problem. But OpenCL is something that's not just Apple, but it's something called the Open Computing Language. It's right. a framework, and here's the cool part. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page uh, and other pages. It's a framework for writing programs that execute across heterogeneous platforms consisting of CPUs, GPUs, and other processors. Here's the cool part about this. Now, as some of you may know, we've talked about this before. If we haven't, I'll mention it. General purpose processors, like the one in the Mac or the PC or whatever, they do certain things pretty well. But then you have a whole other class of processors, like the one in your graphics card. They do some things really good, like drawing lots of nice-looking shapes very quickly. They do other things not so great, like running your computer. That's why they're graphics cards. Right. The cool part about this is that this abstracts CPUs, GPUs, whatever you have out there. So I like the. So it sounds to me that Apple is endorsing this model for accessing computing resources distributed no matter what they are. It doesn't have to be a CPU. It could be a graphics card, whatever. So I think that's very cool. And I don't know if you have anything to add about that. But when I read about this, I, I've heard of other open things, but this sounds cool if it gets traction. Oh, and it, it, it will. Here, here's the, because Apple's made it very easy to program 
uh, your code and change existing code over uh, to to leverage OpenCL. The thing is. Yes, graphics cards are very good at drawing graphics and not much else, but let's break down what it takes to draw graphics. Most of that is high-level math equations, right? So if you've got some math that needs to be done and you pass Mm -hmm. it to OpenCL, it's going to offload that to your your graphics card unless it's being used by something else, of course, Uh, and you know they describe it as being it like like being on afterburners because these graphics cards can do math way faster than the CPU and yes. your computer can. I mean, like orders of many orders of magnitude faster. It, it is, and I think the key is they run very parallel. They'll have hundreds of parallel threads. Like correct. The one function I've worked with uh, in my uh, you know day life, yeah, is a uh, FFTs or fast Fourier transforms. Right. They have libraries that run on graphic chips that will do this. Yeah, at incredible speeds because one of the things these chips do is, hey, I'm going to run all these threads in parallel right. because they got to draw shapes and stuff. So you draw it on even the screen, though they right? don't know that they're not drawing shapes, they can still do things like Fourier transforms or other complex math things, and they're happy. Yep. So, so this framework is cool that they're 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 kind of bringing everything in your computer all together so you can an app that uses everything to its you know maximum potential yeah when when you write in objective c for or when when programmers of the apps that you and I are going to buy write in objective c for opencl the compiler then goes and compiles it on different cores and then in real time load balances you know the system load balances it and, and puts the stuff on the on the gpu that it that it should and the stuff on the cpu that it should and there were some, you know, some demos of stuff that I've seen that it, I mean, it just it'll blow you away. So, so none of these three things: sixty-four bit Grand Central Dispatch or OpenCL, is anything <laughs> that any non-programmer is ever Normal. going to have any control, any control or interaction with. And right. yet, it's going to benefit all of us. And the fact that Apple is doing a twenty-nine-dollar upgrade pricing from Leopard to Snow wait, wait, Leopard. No, you mean one twenty-nine? No, man. Apple. $29 upgrade. If you don't own Leopard, it's you're right. It's $129. But $29 from Leopard up, which they have to do because no one's going to go out and spend $129 to get um, a cool new finder that we're going to talk about. But but a lot of the stuff they talked about, which which I saw you know, you guys mentioned during the thing, I mean, Coco Finder, yeah. Speed, um, 64 Bits, uh, all that other stuff. Yeah. What else did I see? Oh, did, did, uh, I saw you guys mention this. Can you put this in context? You can draw Chinese characters on the trackpad? Yeah, they figured why not. You know, they've, they've got the <laughs> trackpad there. You might as well just use it as an input device. So it's, you know, it's these really? worlds colliding, right? The iPhone world and the, the Mac OS X world, you know, they share a, a, a core operating system. It's all OS X, right? So, uh, nice. so yeah, they, you know, they're taking a lot of this stuff and sort of you know, melding it together. So but, Snow Leopard, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess, is, yeah, you mentioned this, Intel only. Correct. So my G5, I'm, I'm at the end of the road, right? Yes. Y- yes, that's right. That's right. You might see another okay. point upgrade. Maybe, maybe ten five eight. I don't know. You know, but so uh, ten five seven or ten five. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So it, I'm gonna have to do it. You're gonna have to do it. Yeah. All right. So we're done with the uh, snow leopard. Yes. I think so. You know, there's some cool stuff in the in the finder. One thing that was cool is that the finder is now all written in Coco. Yay! Finally. 
And uh, so it's native now instead of being fully kind of sort of emulated. It wasn't emulated, and, but it was being run through Carbon, so carbon. it wasn't. Well, it wasn't kind of. Well, that's old nasty code. Right. It was nasty. We don't code. want that. We want right. the new Coco. Coco is is the framework you're supposed to be using. Correct. So. So they ditched all the old code and rewrote it for Cocoa, which, yeah, you, you told me, in the, or I saw in the coverage, there was a cheer from the developers oh, yeah. in the audience. Big time. Yeah. Because <laughs> I guess, yeah, doing the, yeah, the legacy thing was, was kind of lame. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and it takes advantage of, of Grand Central and, you know, all that good stuff. And, and, uh, and the Finder now has live previews. So if you go, if you're in thumbnail mode and you go to a PDF, you can page through the PDF and they showed a demo of that, or you can run a movie inside the preview. QuickTime 10, which is also part of Snow Leopard, pretty cool. Uh It's got a, um, it basically has like iMovie Lite or iMovie Express in it. You can edit videos right inside QuickTime um, and then publish them out. So it, it, you know, it's cool. It Are they going to stop charging for Pro? Because I, I'm, I think so. I reluctantly there update. There was no talk. There was no talk about Pro. It's Good. just QuickTime 10 now. I reluctantly yeah. update mine because they offer, you know, like H.264 and stuff. But yep. yeah, it's still kind of annoying. Yep. All right, so we're 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 we've burned a lot of time here, especially. We since, should go through the next thing quick. Right? But we, we definitely thing, we definitely have to acknowledge what happened with the iPhone today, and uh, yeah, of the course. What? Isn't there another podcast? No. <laughs> yeah, there is. That's so why iPhone three go O. So of course, well, let's talk developers. So we're talking so about we the know. software. We're talking about the software first, right? iPhone three O. Yes. So they announced this, of course. Uh, I think they're up to beta five. From what I hear from public. Sources. Okay. Okay. So they're they're steering towards iPhone 3O. So I guess the first thing we heard is that they announced the release date of this, both for the iPhone and for the iPod Touch, Dave. Yes. Yes. Next Wednesday, the 17th of June, is uh, the day that you can, if you have an iPhone, you can just download it and it's free. If you have an iPod Touch, thank you, Sarbanes Oxley. You have to pay ten dollars. So, yep. which is me. Which uh, that's you. Okay. <laughs> so number one. I, uh, and I don't think we have to go into too much detail. We we have before right. <laughs> about what is in 3.0, cut and paste, and new apps, and right. all sorts of capabilities. But but connected with that, or you know, along with that, is that there was a suspicion that Apple, or no, of course, they're going to re-roll the hardware or do some nice things in the a- hardware. Absolutely, to support so, some to support the new features in the OS, and mm-hmm. some just because parts of the phone really needed in yeah, my now, opinion improvement. Now the, and I'm the OS, shake my finger at the camera, but go ahead. The new OS is is faster. It it includes a faster Safari build. Um, yes. so, so there, iPhone 3.0 on your current iPhone will run faster on your current iPod touch, but speed. the new iPhone, which they're calling the 3G S for speed, uh, will come out <laughs> now, uh, is it has a faster processor in it and they showed some benchmarks. Essentially it, you know, it runs things anywhere from about two to sometimes four times faster, but in general figure it's going to be twice as fast. Huh. And remember, this is twice as fast as a current iPhone running iPhone OS 3.0. So it's much faster than what we have now because of the combination of the software and the hardware. So, uh, Okay. Is it dual? Uh, no. Kurt hints it. Okay. Oh, well, so you know, I don't faster. know. They didn't talk about the uh, the technology. Yeah. So, they don't. Uh, I, they don't like to do that. No, somebody will tear <laughs> it down. But But here's the best part about it. So yeah. iPhone OS 3.0 comes out on Wednesday the 17th iPhone 3.0 or iPhone 3GS 
is released on the 19th. Do you know, did you hear, John, that there's a difference between those two dates? What's wrong with them? You, you should take two huge changes yeah. and make the date the same so you can increase the amount of chaos and, yeah. Yeah, so unlike last, I, I, unlike last I don't summer, know if that's enough of a separation. I, it, might, it might not be, but it, it's better than last summer when we did Mobile yeah. Me, iPhone 2.0, and the iPhone 3G on the same Friday. Stupid. Bad news. <laughs> It was anyway, so we got new phone, new new capabilities in the hardware. Yeah, some new capabilities in the hardware. You know, um, it's got a, a better camera now, a three megapixel camera uh, I think with auto focus. With focus, yes. Thank goodness, because you know, I I gotta yep. say, I love seeing my friends put up pictures. Yep. Online through TwitPic or whatever, but I can tell immediately when you have an iPhone because yep. if it's a picture of something close up, it sucks. I'm sorry. Yep. That camera was not made. So now they have either a autofocus or, or a manual focus. Uh, well, it's all autofocus, but you can pick the the object okay. of the focus. So you you tap it literally tap in the screen and it refocuses. Nice. And they did a demo where they, you know, had a, a flower real close and a house behind it and, and tapping back and forth. It also has a macro mode, so anything ten centimeters away or further. Uh-huh. So it's a pseudo macro mode, but yep. uh, but you know that's pretty close. So. Now, now this is cool though. The one thing I saw if I had to say, I don't yet have one because you know they missed announcing something, yeah. which was that Verizon would be offering the phone. Look, AT and T's not giving up the contract, man. They they've still got what uh, three more years on that five year contract. I don't care about AT and T. I care about Apple giving me a product that I want. So well, with good, the luck. I good luck. Good luck with so, that. Up, uh, I'm. One day you you'll see. Oh, I'm sure they will. Day. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, what else? Uh, so, one feature I thought was very cool: find my iPhone. Yes. So, any iPhone, including the current version, with iPhone OS 3.0 and a Mobile Me subscription attached to it, uh, you can ping your iPhone from anywhere. Uh, on the you know, when, as long as it has service, you can go on the web. You ping your iPhone from anywhere. And you can have it beep even if it's in silent mode and display uh-huh. a message like call me on my home phone or something. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that way, even if it's in your house, you hear it beep again, even if it's on silent mode, which is cool. So now does it always beep? Only if you go online and ping it and tell it to. Yeah. Because I'm thinking now again, I'm just thinking my black hat, you know, past. If you want to know what where your I kids put- are. What if I put my iPhone in someone's vehicle That's or right. backpack or whatever? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't beep. I don't think. I, I, from the demo we saw today, it only Fine. beeps if you tell it to. You can you can just look and see on a map. It overlays on a Google map and shows you where it is. So yeah. okay. Now now to pull out the uh, beat on AT and T Club here. Yeah. Th- there was some talk of tethering. Yeah, tethering and. Do you want to go there? Or, oh no, yeah. we we can go there briefly. Yeah, go. Yeah. Okay, um, because I think it it may. I, I noticed there was an exclusion in the presentation. I'll look yeah, they they showed there. this big list of companies that were going to support tethering and big list that were going to support MMS. And uh, I guess MMS is coming to AT and T this summer. <laughs> what is MMS? MMS is um, text and or picture and video messaging sent. Telephone to telephone, so essentially like SMS okay. text messages. This is multimedia oh, okay. messages. Multi- oh, okay, got it. Yep. Okay, go on. Uh, so that's coming. Uh, tethering. AT and T was was notably 
absent from <laughs> the the big display of company logos that came up on the screen. Wow, did the AT&T exec that they had at the show explain? Oh, no, but but Jeff Gamut got on the phone with AT and T today, and there's an article up over oh, it. At, excellent. Okay. At IPO. So yeah, we'll we'll link to that. Say it, he, it oh, appears. here it is. Here it is. AT and T spokesperson Mark Siegel told TMO, "We will be offering tethering, but I can't give you a time frame." He added, "We are committed to offering tethering, but there's no pricing. There's no yes. whatever." So, okay. Yeah. No. So I was thinking. Yeah, it was kind of silly of me to take a jab at them, but no. So. Because I, I was actually, I, I shook my fist at Verizon because I had in a prior plan, my Razor or Crazer, I could take airtime minutes for DSL level speeds and take it from my, my current program, which was like three or 400 minutes. All of a sudden, I called up one day and I got redirected to a page saying, hey, guess what? You've got to pay double your voice plan rate to get a data rate, a data plan to do what you could do before. And I'm right. like, yeah, that, that kind of sucks. So. Yeah. So I'm not happy with Verizon. I am happy, very happy with their voice service and all that. So that's why I was hoping for a Verizon iPhone. Got which, it. Yeah. No. Well, we I, I could have guaranteed you that wasn't coming today, but yeah, I think someday. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they show, showed some cool apps. I think a lot of them were location based. I think TomTom had something. Dave. Yep. Yep. Yeah. TomTom uh, had a has a turn by turn app, and they've got this cool little. Um, uh, suction mount that you can either put on your windshield or on your dash, which is going to make it perfect to watch movies while I'm driving because it's got a, a dock connector and a speaker in it and a yeah. microphone. So it'll be great. I can watch movies while I'm driving now. So that's- well, based on what I know using my current Garmin GPS, uh, suction mounts are illegal in the states of, I think, California I, and I a couple think, of others. Yeah, they, that's right. Suction mounts are illegal, which is ridiculous. I mean, for a GPS, it's like, um, but you allow them built into the car, but, but not... Yeah, know, they're all whatever. equally distracted. That was cool. Now, Zipcar, I have some friends that like Zipcar, and they showed a Zipcar app. That, go, you know, I don't even want to ruin it for people. Go okay. see... Go. Zipcar is a regional... Yeah. Instant car rental service, which the, the demo a, the demo of that was worth going and looking at the keynote and seeing for yourself. And I think I think we sweet. should uh, we should leave it there. Okay, and, and then I'm gonna, voice, fade, I'm gonna fade the band in. Yeah, no, and voice control, right? Which is kind of yes, like, yeah. Uh, I think that <laughs> I, there was some confusion on that, but I think voice control is only in the phone, iPhone 3GS. I think it's a hardware. I thing. believe so. Yeah, yeah. So wow. So did you hit the button? Yes, I, uh, we recorded this one, man. <laughs> we, I thought we said we weren't okay. going to talk about that. So, this, <laughs> sorry. So this was an unusual show, but oh, this unusual good. things. But no, I loved it. No, it was great coverage. I love it. Uh, give us your feedback, and you know, if you want to give us feedback, Dave, you know, I, I can imagine a number of ways to do that. The first I would recommend is to call us. At 206-666-GEEK, which is... That's 4335. So 206-666-4335. You can email us to feedback at macgeekgab.com. I'd really prefer feedback at macgeekgab.com. That's right. Feedback at macgeekgab.com. And and I believe now, due to technical difficulties being resolved, you can also Skype us. That's right. At macgeekgab on Skype. And you can always post iTunes comments. That's right iTunes comments, we love we love show notes comments, which I get them out expeditiously. You do. Is that a word? That's right. Expeditiously at, at MacGeekGab.com. Is but before you. I do that, typically, and you guys love this, oh, yeah. Michael Johnston, 
Michael Johnston from, from iPhoneAlley.com. He does the enhanced feed. Cashfly.com provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software, Disc Label from Smile on My Mac, and Notebook from Circus Ponies all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Do we have anything else we want to uh, talk about here? I'm going to fade the band. No, I, j- I just, I guess I only feel bad in that my MacBook Pro is getting more obsolete. Well, that's how I think that's how it goes. All right. Well, hopefully that the uh, the sound quality of John's Skype connection was was listenable. I could hear you all the way through the show, John. So my Great. guess is that means everybody else can too. So thank you so much Sweet. for staying subscribed. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us and for supporting the sponsors and, and all Dave, the get love. some. Oh man, you got to get some sleep, dude. I know, dude. Got I got a busy some, day tomorrow, right? I got to get some food and some sleep. No, this is great. The show now turns. I still have some meetings and stuff, but the show turns oh, from man. today from crazy press keynote mode into I can wear shorts and sandals to the show tomorrow. So it's all good. Sweet. Yeah. Hey, uh, don't get caught. Made up.